What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. Go ahead, have a seat, have a seat. Right. Get comfortable. We're going we're gonna to talk if that's all right. Yes, sir. Is that all right if we talk? Yeah. Pops, man, I'm so grateful that you're here. Man, this honor. Is a, this is an honor. Let's see if we, we, we got this working. Let's test it out. Test, test. Oh. Test, test. You hear me? Got it. You got me? You I'm a coach. Share? I can get louder now. <laughs> all right. Uh, you want to share anything? Hey, I just say, you know, I want to say I'm honored to be here. But first of all, like he said, you know, when he named his church Hope Center, it just blessed me because I know what we walk through. And knowing the woman I walk with, her name is Hope. You guys experience hope in this way. But the difference with me, I get to sleep with hope. <laughs> and that's an experience in itself, honored by God. <laughs> Thank you for having me here today. Pops, I want us to do something. I want us to talk a little bit of, uh, we'll get into like a, some background about our relationship. And then I, I know that you have something that you prep for the fathers and the men. Yeah. I want us to have those documents and, and things ready for ushers on deck to be able to distribute some handouts. Okay. Um, as I mentioned to you, man, you came, when, you, when we connected, uh, I was a passionate preacher. I was already doing ministry. Yeah. I, was, um, I was an evangelist, so I would go from place to place and I would be preaching. And, um, but I wasn't a leader. So I had, I had ambition. I had drive, I had passion, but I needed guidance. Right. And, um, and so you have an ex a tremendous resume and background. You played, played a little pro ball. Mm -hmm. uh, all your brothers, yep. Brian, Rashad, all played ball. Um, you were instrumental in the city of Lynchburg. You were helping out the mayor. Mm -hmm. um, you did some traveling and some work with some of, some of the most prominent bishops and pastors. Yep. Um, if I start mentioning who, who, who he's been connected to over the years, you'll know some of your favorite preachers, bishops, pastors, you've traveled with them. You've, you, had, you have a tremendous background. Your husband, your husband, a father of five boys, five boys, yes. Mama yes. Hope, five boys. Yes. yes. Whew, they're all grown now. Yes. Grandpops, right? Yep. Yesterday. Yesterday? Yep. Yep. Come on, let's celebrate yeah. yesterday. Well, actually, uh, Friday, I'm sorry. It was Friday. On Friday. Second one on Friday. Two, number two on Friday. James Russell. His name oh, means the gift. Man. So, grandfather, all of these things and so much that you've accomplished throughout your life, um, whether it's playing football, working in the city, um, doing ministry, what in the world gave you a passion to work with people when you could have been doing so many different things? Why did you want to go back to building people, whether it be coaching or whether it's just, you know, at the time we met, it was at Liberty University. What gave you that, that desire? To be honest with you, it was, um, I lived with my grandmother at one point in my life, my senior year. Um, that's a hard place when you're transferring your senior year to, um, say, at the school that I was at. It was my relationship with my father, but it wasn't the relationship that I desired. Um, you know, when my brother, Rashad Jennings, you all know him, played with New York Giants, uh, eight years in the NFL, one um, Dance with the Stars, now he's in acting, um, and he wrote a book, and it's called The If in the Life, the, the, the If in Life, and when he wrote that book, he talked about the ifs in his life, had 
big brother not have stood up and, and played that fatherly role that was an if factor in his life. But what no one knew, that same if he had was the same if that I had. My father at that time, when he was raising us, I'm 14 years older than my brother Rashad. Um, my father at that time was a great football player, but during segregation time, uh, my dad got expelled from school and he lost scholarship opportunities. And I think that did something to my father. And he went to the military and he had me really young. Going through all of that, I'm birthed during all this war that my father's going through. And so it calls for a relationship that I didn't desire. My dad was a major provider. He did provide. He did the things a father's supposed to do. I never went without being hungry, which is obvious. I'm a big guy. <laughs> um, but my father was closed off very young. And through that relationship, I always wanted more. And when it came to football, I wanted to be a running back. Obviously, I'm a big guy. <laughs> they put me on the line. And um, I said, I want to be a running back. Coaches didn't believe in me. My father didn't say much about it. But I kept pursuing and I became a running back, went to college, got a scholarship, New York Giants as a free agent, played arena football. But to answer your question, I just built that foundation to help you understand why I am the way I am. The relationship I wanted with my father, the relationship I wanted with my high school coach, to see who I was beyond what he thought I was, not just in the sport of football, not just in the position of football, but in the person who I presented myself to be. I was a creative person, a visionary, born leader, People say leaders aren't born. I was a born leader. Why do, you say, why do I say that? This is the same thing I say for this young man right here. When he told me he needed leadership guidance, I laughed at him. I said, let me explain what leadership is. Leadership is simply influence. I said, you're one of the most influential young men I've seen on campus. You're not a football player. You stand by what, 5'2". <laughs> but let me tell you a little joke. Let me tell you a little joke. Let me tell you a little joke. When we first, the very first time we met, it was through my good brother, William, William, William Herring, Willito, who's now in Australia. He's doing amazing things. He's the one that connected us. He has shown you a picture of me, and you thought based on the picture that I was 6'5". Yeah, yep. And then when you looked at me, you said, this 6'5 right here? Yeah, that, that's what I always call you, 6'5". I said, I'm 5'2". I'm yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I remember that. Now, I, I got an inch. It's not 5'2", yeah. it's 5'3". Yeah, yeah. I, I joked him so much about it, I forgot all about that, sir. I would always call him 6'5", and people didn't understand what that was. Because the picture, he looked really tall, the angle I was looking at it. But I remember when I met him, and he said leadership, I just said, this kid is a phenomenal leader. Because to me, leadership is influence. And I watched you on campus. I mean, big guys, everybody dapped you up, respected you. I could tell that you was closed off to it, though, because of something on the inside. And then I remember a conversation as we began to talk. And I pulled you closer, start realizing what it was. Your relationship, your own father. I remember uh, even how you were perceiving yourself, self-image. And then I understood that he was a strong preacher. It was very obvious. And he knew the word of God. But what stood out to me was I started something on Liberty University's campus. Totally different. Remember that? A hip-hop ministry. And, um, and, and Dr. Falwell was very traditional. Southern Baptist. And um, I had just came back studying, I'm going to say this, studying under Bishop Brady and Cheryl Brady, Pastor Cheryl Brady, which now Pastor Cheryl Brady is pastoring um, the Potter's House with, uh, Bishop under Bishop Jakes. So I've been blessed to, to be with them. But when I came back from that to Liberty, and then I met Serge, 
I saw his energy. I felt like I was kind of back at home with Pastor Cheryl Brady and Bishop Brady a little bit, because Southern Baptist is a little different. But I didn't want to expose that to him until I began to build that relationship. But as we began to do some, I was the director of urban ministries at that time, and I pulled you close. And I remember our first event, we went in the community. Same thing was happening. Everybody dapping him up. And these kids didn't know him. They just loved him, fell in love with his presence. And I knew then, I had a plan. I'm going to be very honest, and we'll get to it. I had a plan. When I noticed we went in the community, I had a plan. It sure wasn't God's plan, because Serge is here in Maryland. <laughs> and we'll get into that, too. But I know I had a plan. But it was your influence you had, man. And that's what stood, made you stand out among everybody else. And I knew I wanted to build a relationship with you so that I can continue to help you understand the influence you already had so that you wouldn't go seeking leadership. I saw you seeking this thing, and when I found out kind of ministry you come out, kind of some more traditional religion, I started saying, wow, God, I will not let this young man miss the mark. Come on, can we thank God for somebody who said, I won't let him miss the mark? Yeah. I appreciate you for that. Um, you know, you sowed, you sowed a seed in my life that is still reaping a harvest. Hope Center really is an extension of what we were doing with uh, uh, a sort of church plant, yep. but totally non-traditional. <laughs> so when we started this ministry, if you're new, you, won't, you, you, you wouldn't know this, but we used to meet Tuesday nights and we used to do the huddles inside of, of the gathering. So it was, people would come in and on our actual gathering, instead of a service how it is now, we used to do the huddles within. So we would get together, I would share, how many remember that? You remember those days on Tuesday nights? Uh, I would share a little bit of the word and then we would break out and have conversations. That's a seed that was sown because if I had not seen something done similar to that back at the wave, I wouldn't have the mindset to know that we could do that here. Um, Hope Fest is an extension of the seeds that were sown because all I knew was church. Before I met him, everything was inside the walls. It was all about preaching, all about go having good church and just attending, and that was all I knew. And then he started taking me to the streets, y'all. <laughs> I'm from, and I understand because I came from that, but I had never done work intentionally to help people in this setting. I came from that background so I could identify, but I never done work in the community. And so he started taking me out. You still got the, the Chevy, yep. the, the, the Suburban? Yep, still st That big old thing, and I'll be sitting in there in this big old Suburban. <laughs> I was about 30 pounds lighter, and, and it would be this big dude coming out, and then this little dude right behind him, always beside him. Yep, 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 yep. And he, was, he, would tell, he would just throw me in the fire. I mean, no. No type of, he would just say, go ahead, start talking to them people right there. And so thugs in the corner, he's like, go ahead, start talking to them. Invite them to this event. We would do community events in high schools. I had never done stuff like that before working in schools. And we would do big events. He would just toss me to my good. He said, I know you're a preacher, but today you're a facilitator. I, and that shocked me. It hit me so hard because I'm like, listen, man, I'm a preacher. And he's like, listen, Serge, I know you're a preacher, but in this setting, this my house, you're going to be a facilitator. I had never heard that concept before. So he was challenging me in so many areas that, that really allowed me to grow. Uh, let's throw that picture up. Let's throw that picture up. You, we, were, we were doing something, too, with, with the brotherhood. Oh, yeah. These are some of the brothers that, that he put together. God gave him a vision to raise up, to raise up young men at the time, at the school, um, to train them as leaders. Um, to focus on education. You see me there? Uh, looking handsome. 
<laughs> These people you see now, lawyers, aspiring lawyers, working for top firms in finance, in tech, in graphic design, pastors, ministers, all that, all this group that you see here, business owners, entrepreneurs, and God gave him a vision to put us together, a bunch of knuckleheads. What, is, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking when you're seeing this here? I'm uh, emotional. Um, you know, you gotta understand, Liberty University, we couldn't have fraternities or sororities, but I went to Dr. Falwell, because I was assistant um, city man, I mean, I'm sorry, assistant to Dr. Falwell at the time, and I told him about this vision, he said, go for it. And um, just to see how these young men have grown, um, I personally talk to some of them now, I mean, they really are, they're lawyers. I mean, if I need a lawyer, I can call a lawyer. So it's pretty awesome. Um, emotional, I mean, it, uh, I wasn't expecting this picture here. Um, very emotional, very emotional, because I know Alpha Nu Psi stood for a new, basically a new mindset, a new beginning of a new mindset, based off of Romans 12, I remember. And um, that's what I was trying to do, renew these young men's mind, because I understood there was gonna be lawyers and teachers and going to those worlds. And I wanted them to understand something, Serge. We got to get beyond the four walls and we got to start becoming more kingdom minded. And I started teaching him a little bit how I saw what God and I was battling about the revelation of kingdom, going into education, um, going into government, you know, try school, definitely in our school systems was very important to me at that particular time. Politics and economy. And I see the kingdom right here. Because, I mean, we got a banker that's up there. He's big in the banking. Uh, and I said, guys, if we're going to make an impact, that's where more minorities are struggling at, economy, the social realm. We have got to build you as leaders to put you out there, man. Man, I appreciate that. Uh, because again, those, those, those seeds that were sown there, we're still seeing the impact of it. You put a bunch of knuckleheads together. Was I the, yeah. be honest with me, man, was I the least of the knuckleheads? Did I give you a hard time? No, you was the easiest one. <laughs> and I think you were so easy because he was trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah. And why am I always sit, Serge is like, how do I fit? Yeah. You know, that's what comes, Serge, how do you fit? Yeah. And that was what I always saw, how do you fit? And I, I would always notice you would struggle with that, but no one else would know it but me. And I was like, he doesn't see what I see. Yeah. Let me ask you this, and then I'm going I'm to I'm get out the way so you can speak and okay. do your thing. Um, what keeps you going now in this season of your life? So much that you've accomplished. What is what fuels you? What's giving you a passion now? What keeps you going? Man, Proverbs 18, 20. I'm, this is crazy. My wife. Um, we have joined forces through marriage, but not beyond that, through our relationship. You have to understand, I was married prior to. Um, I was a single dad for several years of my life. Um, and she had kids. She was single, and she had three boys, and we came a blended family. And so we called ourselves the home team. And um, what keeps me going, man, is when I look at the home team, it was a lot of struggles, but I look at the growth. We now have two grandkids out of the home team. So it keeps me pushing. I'm not, I'm not granddaddy. So I love the word when you start calling me pops. That's what I tell everybody, call me pops. I'm not, never be grandfather. But that's what keeps me going is the fact that me and my wife now almost have an empty nest. And so many couples do what when they have empty nests? Look, you're out there yelling, right? Now, you have so many couples who split. We're just coming closer. And to the point our boys even feel like they can't infiltrate us. Because they're like, well, y'all are forgetting about us. Well, we did our thing with you. Get out. 
you know, this is about our time. Any parents that got gr grown kids, you telling them the same thing, get out. Yeah, get out, get out. Yeah. And that's what inspires me, knowing that me and my wife now are going to this another realm that God has called us to. So we started our business, our coaching business, Cover Four, co and uh, coaching, provide coaching from education to sports to personal to uh, family marriage. I mean, so many things that me and my wife are dreaming to do. So that's what inspires me now. I know I've done a good job with my boys. So on Father's Day, the blessing for me, I got a text from um, Dominic. Dominic yeah. now is going to Liberty University yeah, and um, starting his freshman year and um, big boy. But he sent me something. He said, Dad, it's not what you did, how you did it. I appreciate how you guided me. That meant the world to me. That's, that was one of the best presents. How you guided me. And that's what me and my wife do together. It's we guide people with heart. So it's no difference. You're a part of my family. I'm, you can always be a part of my family. Mm. We guide with heart. So that's what keeps me going, man. It's such a struggle. Uh, this may not be a struggle for, for, for them, but I know, um, especially being young, the struggle is always, you know, pride and ego, um, especially for a man. I'll speak for myself. Um, pride and ego is, is, is some of these things that we have to overcome. And um, you would challenge me in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, at times I, did, I, I didn't like the correction. I didn't, you know, it would sting. But I always embrace every lesson because, like I said, I had to soak in everything that you were teaching me. Um, didn't see a, a, a healthy marriage, you know. Um, I, wanted, I wanted that, a family. I wanted to, to be a good husband. And so I didn't have that until I started seeing how you were moving and I was soaking everything. Um, but a lot of the battle that we face, I feel a lot of times is, is with pride and ego, um, you know, because we don't want to get those lessons. We don't want to get the correction. We want the blessings, but without correction. Right. Right. Are y'all still here? Okay. You hit him hard, man, on that. That's why it went so quiet. Oh, it went, it went, it went. I was like, it went. You see the women all look at that man? <laughs> um, in, your, in, your, in your work and the time you've been coaching, mentoring people, um, how do you, how have you gotten over that? You know, what is it, what is it that, that drives us to, to be led by ego and pride and, 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 and how do we overcome that? Well, I overcome it. I addressed it. I looked at it and said, I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to define what pride is, not based on what people say it is. I'm going to empower you, pride, because that's who I am. I'm a man who's empowered. So I redefined pride and came with my acronyms. And um, when I started coaching, I just saw that same problem with my boys. So P is passion. Men, you got to have passion. Aura is responsibility. Respond to your ability, responsibility. Then I is integrity. Integrity is key as a man. Do what you say you're going to do. D. That's so good. Did y'all catch that? Y'all catching it? All right. Give it up for that. D. Got to do this. You got to do this. Got to be what? Dedicated. And as I teach young men that, be dedicated to yourself, to your family, to your community, to your God. Then E, of course, is what God challenges me every day. And this is part of my problem. It's not a problem, though. But to others, it is excellence. E, excellence. Excellence in everything you do. Sometimes it almost makes me into a perfectionist because I know who I serve and people say, why does he go over and beyond? Why does he stay up so late? Literally, I stayed up to 4.30. You got my email. 
I emailed you, and literally, was, I was ready to finish at a certain time. It was like 12 o'clock. I said, Hope, I got to, something happened to the computer. I had to redo a whole lot of things, but I said, Serge, excuse me for calling you Pastor Serge, that's who he is to me. <laughs> Serge is not just anybody. He's a phenomenal man. Not because I had the opportunity to mentor him, but because I saw who he was probably before he could even see who he was. And I know what he's called to be. And when he walked, when I walked in here, I thought, you got, I just recently came back from Tony Robinson uh, uh, event, and uh, me and my brother Rashad, 15,000 people. The same sound, sound, when I walked in here, the sound was 15,000 people. I mean, when I am literally, at I'm hearing this sound. That's why I got up and walked away, and I said, Fran, I said, Fran, 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 explain something to me. When I pulled up, I saw some apartments. What's the situation? She explained. I knew it when I came in. I said, my dude gets it. He's right across the street. Arms reach. Can fly. Those people need you, man. They need you. He can't do this alone. Fran can't do it. Obviously, they can't do it. They're making more babies. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm trying to catch up five, five. <laughs> trying to catch. So that's what it is, man. Um, I'm overjoyed. I'm, uh, there's a lot going on inside emotions right now um, to see you do this because I want to give this. Can I give this commercial? Go ahead. Do your thing. This is why I want to give this commercial. Started a church plant called The Wave. <clears throat> we was going to make a move. We, we was making a move. It was, it was a coffee house, hip house. That's all it was. Had sofas, I mean bars. We had a bar, like a little bar set up. We want no alcohol. A bar had pool tables. God had given his vision to be like a big rec room center, but you know, just this nice style, nice stage so kids can come, you know, do their thing. And um, my wife came to me, man, and she said she recognized I was still unfulfilled, even though I was pastor. I was still unfulfilled. And it was hurting. And my wife said to me, she said, there's a reason why. She said, because there's something else you desire to do or God is putting you. But you refuse to reckon with it. I didn't know what she was talking about at the time. But a couple weeks later, I figured out what happened. I get a phone call from a school called Virginia Episcopal School. I said, hey, let's talk. We got your application. We want to interview you. I didn't know what they're talking about. And at the time, I was working at Liberty University in um, pastor's office working with athletes but I wasn't working with the football players because they had their separate pastor I was working with all the other athletes and my wife said you're just not happy I said I don't understand but I'm not how do you know she said you're not the same Al she calls me Al you're not the same Al you want to coach you want to be more involved in football I said I don't care about X's and O's and I can do it it's not that hope oh, I just I gotta be around football but I'm called to preach, and that's all I knew. See, what you didn't know, what I delivered you from, the tradition of the church, your pops were struggling too. Because I thought the only way for me to do ministry was to stand behind a pulpit, wear the suits, play the game. So that's why this is special to me. I might have taught you a different twist, but you show me a coachable spirit. Not unto me, as Butch, but unto what God was saying to you through Butch. And you accepted the crazy stuff I challenged you with. And you have to understand, guys, I was working with gangs. And I throw this man out there in the middle of the street. I knew this dude was in a gang. 
but I knew these dudes. I went to school with them. I would sit in the back of the truck, you know, as I sent them out there, I'm like shaking my head because I knew the guy. I'm like, look, this is my guy. Don't mess with him. And sir, I knew he was going to be fine, but I was messing with his mind because I was trying to change his mindset that God needed him in the kingdom out in these communities and these school systems. And look at you now, man. You're in a school system and you're right across the street from governmental apartments. You're walking in it, but you delivered me and didn't even know it. And my wife understood it. So I left the wave. It just started, we've been there a year, was growing it. I prayed and prayed. I said, babe, I gotta turn this over to someone and I already know who it is. I knew who it was when I started it because I really didn't want it like that. I knew something was missing and she captured that. Helped me apply for that job. I applied for the job, I got the job. Came a head coach, first year, didn't win many games. Didn't matter to me. I was in my, I was feeling it. Then we went on to win two state championships. And, but then, and I'm, I mean, six, six digit package. Nice package, home, everything. They give you, it's a private school. I still won't have you, Serge. I said, something's missing. I miss ministry. I miss ministry, but I miss football. And I said, how do you bring this together, God? And I've been on a journey ever since. So we moved to Youngstown, Ohio, which is a very impoverished community. Educationally impoverished, everything. And finally, God has finally put the pieces together for me. At 47, he has put all the pieces together. My passion for coaching, football, people, everything is putting it together. That's why now I'm more into player development as a strategist. I, and I feel today, you're going to understand what I mean. You all are players in the game of life. You all are players in the game of life. And that's what it's about for me, Serge. I just wanted to thank you, acknowledge in front of your people, your flock. You never knew that. As you was observing me, I'm observing you. And I watch my skill sets helping you, really helping me. <laughs> and I'm looking at you now, and I'm so proud of you, man. Very proud of you. Come on, can we give God glory for all of that? I receive that. That blesses me so much, man. That is so encouraging. And um, I want to release you, man, to do your thing. I'm going to step aside. Whatever you need me to do, I'm going to help you out. But let's receive him one more time as he shares from his heart. You got that, yeah. Bring it out. And men, while I'm in transition here, I hope you heard what I said. It was my wife that helped me finally get into my place of purpose. It was her on her hands and knees and sometimes wanting to knock me out. Let me explain who my wife is though. My wife was a referee. She's the only woman referee football. She's a football referee at that particular time. I didn't know inside of her too, she had some hidden things. She is a sports fanatic, but she's such a beautiful woman. There's no way in the world I would have thought that. But she knows so much about football. And when she applied for that job, put the resume together and everything, I got it. I began to see more of her calling or her life. And it was amazing to me to see her life change too. Um, with five boys. Guess who our first penalty was on? We had a football game. As I'm transitioning, got to stay. I'm a coach. And this is what's exciting for me. 
when I was in a church, I used to have to wear suits. And I've always felt more comfortable in sweatsuits and, you know, and in hats. And, and that's why I struggle so much with church. So one of the things you'll see as I put on my gear, this, is, this just helps me. This helps me personally, kind of helps me remember what I went through, the pain I went through to walk into my call of coaching. And somebody said a long time ago that a coach, you know, a pastor, we can preach and preach, but a coach, man, it can, you can do all kinds of things. When I was pastoring, believe it or not, people would invite me to certain cookouts. You figure out why, right? Probably smoking a little dub and getting a drink on. They ain't gonna invite no coach, I mean, no pastor to no uh, cookouts. But when I got into coaching, I'm invited everywhere, everywhere. And sometimes in the political realm, people don't want to invite pastors unless they invite them to come what? Pray. Because they know they need God. <laughs> they need something of God, man. But I really wouldn't get invited to every scene. But when I came a coach, I got invited to everything. Everything. And some things I didn't even want to go to. But I would position myself to even go to events that as a pastor, I probably wouldn't have went. But as a coach, when I went, it was different. Even though I would see people doing what they're doing, maybe drinking and smoking, I don't trip. I didn't trip. I just observed the environment. I observed why did people drink? Why did they smoke? Why were they doing this? They were looking for an escape. And I began to learn more about people. And so when my wife did that for me, she'll never know, or maybe she knows, the impact that she had on my life, the trust factor, that I began to try, I, figured, I trusted her with my life because it was her that helped position my life and the purpose. So just as a commercial, men, when you're looking for that wife, please look at Proverbs 18, 22. That is what you're looking for. That's what you're looking for. When you find that thing, you find a good thing. It's too bad you can't see her right now. When the lights come on, you will. But what I want to do real quick, I want to go, I'm going to try to be quick as possible and hit this because it's, it's, it's a teaching tool. It's a workshop more so. So I got to fly through it. Now, did everybody get the sheets? Did we pass out sheets yet? Everybody got, you got a pencil already? Flow with me now. All right, real quick, can I get started? The thing I like about this, we already did relationship part, so I can move into the training of it, and it's gonna be short, quick, sweet. John 5, we're gonna turn to John 5. You don't have to, if it's on your worksheet, but some people just still like to use the Bible, but it's everything is printed out on this for you, okay? And the topic is, do you like the topic? When you first see that topic, what do you start thinking? Because it says what? I want everybody to say on three. Say what the topic is. One, two, three. Moving forward toward destiny. That's based on this. I'm, but when we go to this worksheet and this sheet here, I'm going to tell you what to do next. But it's all connected, okay? Now, if you notice, I have a four here, four on my hat, for my wristband, coach, coach with his wristband. See, this helps me when I'm teaching. If I forget my notes, I can pull up because I coach. Coaches always have another thing. This helps me. You got to understand, I'd rather flow than have information in front of me because a coach has to make quick decisions, right, in a game. So you have to remember what the plays are. So that's what I do. That's what helps me. But let's go over this four real quick. How many of you went to school? Great. How many of you made it through middle school? Because at least middle school, you would know this. You ever heard of what's called a plot structure? It's about a story, right? It's about a story. Building a plot to a theme or, I mean, to a story, a movie, whatever, books, everything, right? So one of the things I started understanding about life, God started speaking to me and said, you know what? I want you to focus on your story. When you focus on your story, you're going to be able to put together what I've called you to really be 
and your purpose. And obviously we know who God gave me as a gift to help me what? Actualize this purpose, which is my wife. And that's why I say she's a good thing to me because she's helping me walk this thing out. And I can hear women saying, now, wait a minute, what about the woman? It gets good. Let me finish when we get through. It gets good. <laughs> but anyway, I want everybody to write down, if you will. Oh, I didn't bring up my pointer. But anyway, right here at the bottom, I'm going to get my pointer. Makes it a little easier for you guys. So I can say over there. Write down the word purpose up under here. Write down the word purpose. Coaches in, his, coaches in that book bag, I tell you. Hey, Serge, you might see if you can come up here. It's uh, in his bag. It's going to help us as we move forward faster. I was drunk. So I feel like I'm at home so I can relax a little bit. All right. It's, a, it's in a bag. You'll see it somewhere in there. It's a pointer. But anyway, right here, write the word. Right here, preparation. I'm sorry. Write the word preparation. Preparation. Write the word preparation. Up under preparation, write the significance of a story, significance of a story, preparation, significance of a story. Everybody got that? Preparation, significance of a story. On the, what is the next one called? Let's go back to English. I'm going to see how much y'all remember. That's why I set you up. What is the arrow going up? What would that be on a plot structure? Somebody, somebody said it, rising action. Okay, but Coach Jennings says pursue. So you can write rise in action, but write pursue. It's so much fun. It's, oh, you don't worry. Oh, you did? Oh, don't worry. It might be my other day. Don't worry about it. I can do it from like I'm doing now. So write the word pursue. Now, when you get to the top of the four, put turning point or climax. Turning point or climax. It might be my other bag. Turning point or climax, okay? The arrow going down will be what in English? If you have a rising action, you'd end up having what? A falling action, there we go. You can write falling action, or write Coach Jenny's word, perseverance. Perseverance, perseverance. How many of you have perseverance? How many of you had to pers uh, have perseverance to get here today? As you're coming, you had to pers uh, persevere through some things to get here, right? And then at the arrow going this way, in English it would be resolution. I want you to write down purpose, purpose, okay? Does everybody got them go over this fast right there so we can move fast. What was the here down here? What is the one at the bottom? Preparation, pursue, perseverance, purpose. That's the strategy of life. That's why I said you guys are all what players in the game of life. So I'm not just here coaching football, I'm coaching life. So now you can go back to your worksheet right here. I try to be formal. See, this doesn't work. I got to do it. I, I carry my papers and look at it. So here we go. Now look at the title. I'm going to talk to you. How many of you here got fathers? How many of you want to be a father? Not right now, but one day. Okay. But you got to find what first? The right wife, right? And it's going to be gravy. It's going to be a beautiful journey. It ain't going to always be easy. Know how I know it's not going to be easy? Serge set it up for me when he, he started talking about you men cooking. How many of you men cook? How many men cook? Good. Y'all better than me. I don't cook. 
Before we came here, I was working on something. How many know how to cook? God, she's laughing already. How many of you know how to cook bacon? In my house, that's the hard thing to do. Why? I'm a man. I want my bacon crisp. I want it good, but I want it fast. So you know what I do? I have a strategy. I turn the stove up really high, throw the bacon on it. What do you think happens? It burns. House smelling, everything smelling. It comes up crispy though, but it is not as good and the house is messed up and it causes not an argument in my house, but it causes my, 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 my ability <laughs> to maneuver the way I really want to in my house. Because my wife says, haven't I explained to you many a times how to cook bacon? You're burning it, you're sending flame, everything through the house. Guys, I was so proud of myself. Before we came here, I said, baby, you want to eat? She said, nope. I got a whole damn bacon. I said, I'm going to make this bacon. I'm going to try her strategy. It was beautiful. I put it very low. It was simmering. And, but I'm hungry, so I really want it. But it was beautiful. It was beautiful. She didn't even say it's smoking. She couldn't even smell it. But all of a sudden, I got frustrated after 10 minutes. I said, this is too long. I turn that thing up. Next thing I know, baby, are you cooking bacon? She started coming at me about the bacon. My inability to follow instructions, my inability to be coachable by my wife at that very moment for something that I want expeditiously. Any of you men ever been in that situation? You want something expeditiously. You don't want to hear nah, 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 from your wife, but you know if you follow what she's saying, it's probably going to come out right, right? Good. So that's, that was my example there about bacon. So here we go, real quick. Look on your paper. Brothers out there, if you want to be a father one day, or if you're a father today, I am talking to you. So I'm talking to all males. I'm even talking to young men. Because to be a father, you have to be a leader. I already took away leadership being hard for you. Leadership is what? The ability to have what? Influence. How many of you in this room have influence? Everybody in this room should be raising your hand. Each one of you are leaders in this room. You have influence over something or someone. It's very obvious you do. Real quick, men, this is what I come to tell you. This is your message right here. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to look in your face and say, dude, you're snoring. Wake up. Go for it. If I look at you and say, you're snoring, women, how many of you sleep with a man that snores? When you, when you like to tell him, look, you snore. Have you ever told your man you're snoring? What does he do? Does he get offended or get frustrated or like whatever? What does he do? Huh? He ignores. Oh, he ignores or whatever. It's like whatever. Well, I'm coming to tell you, and I'm a big dude. Dude, you're snoring. But when a person snores, there are some reasons why they're snoring. Could be multiple reasons that I'm not going to go into, but I am going to go into one reason that they're what? Resting, right? Deeply resting. Deep rest. Tired. How many men in here are tired? All right. Got some men here tired. Women, you hear that? Some of these men are tired. So when you say you're snoring, it agitates them a little bit. But men, are you talking to that woman laying beside you and say, baby, I'm tired, but tell her why you're tired. Not because you're going to work. You don't mind working. If you're tired because you don't feel like you're walking in your purpose or your destiny. How many of you men are having that uh, conversation with the woman that walks with you? A lot of men won't even talk to their wife about it. Obviously, the man who's standing in front of you won't. Even though I played the game, successful in politics and administration, all this stuff, did not have the ability to communicate to my wife that I really wanted to get in coaching 
in the player development field. Why? Because I was trained and taught as a child that I had a call on my life. And with the call on my life, all I understood through the traditional church was I was supposed to stand behind a what? Pulpit. Right? And go preach. So it affected my ability to communicate the things I really wanted. And I was scared to say what it was if I was supposed to be called. Because if I go and coach, what's going to happen? I'm walking outside of what people expect or am I walking outside of what God wants? I was confused. I thought God would judge me and I thought people would say, you're doing it wrong. But when I won a couple of state championships, guess what I did? I was like, yeah, I proved that I'm a coach. Yes, because I did it. And I did it very fast with God's help. But I realized how I had success was because I built a player development program that helped children, kids, men, families, how to better engage the football player to make them a better person. Remove the football player. I want to help you as the person become better at what you do. And we're going to learn today. And it's going to be quick because it's going to go, that's why I wrote it down so I can do it quick. I set you up. Here we go. By the Sheep Gate of Jerusalem, there was a pool. A pool. Pool is what? A body of what? Water. There you go. Now we're talking. Called Bethesda in Hebrew tongue, which had how many porches? I got five sons. But what is a porch? What is a porch designed to do? Talk to me. What is a porch designed to do on a house? A place to rest. What else? Sit. What else? Look. You can sit in the elements of the environment if it's raining or snowing on your porch and not be affected by those elements because you have what? A covering. Men, hear that. You are to be that for your family. You're that porch. You're that covering for your family. That when things are going down, even if you don't have a job, I've been there. No job. Struggling. Hey, guys, I've never experienced some things I've experienced in Youngstown. Food stamps. What? What? Me? What? Me? Not Coach Jennings. No, 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 no. Because I was trusting God to leave a lucrative job when he said go. He didn't tell me. I'm going to feed you through some food stamps sometime. You might have to get on social services to pay some of your insurance. He didn't tell me that. You think he would have told me anything I'd have left? No way in the world. I'm coach. No, no, that's embarrassing. I've never experienced that. I've never experienced failure. You know why? Because I train myself to not fail. I see failure as learning. Failure is learning. So if I fail, I'm learning. But this one hit me hard. Fathers, this hit me hard. I'm used to providing. Then you lose your job or you go zero and 10 after being a two-time state champion. And now you don't have a job. I didn't, I don't know, I didn't know what to do. God broke me through that to take me to another level. So watch this. Within this, this is very important for us to key in on. Within these pools, a great multitude were impotent of what? What type of folk? What type of folk were in, in this environment, in this community? What type of people were living in this community? Blind, halt, withered, and they was waiting on something to happen. Waiting on it for the water to move. They was waiting for somebody to come. They was waiting for something to bring them life. Now let's talk about this. You probably read this before, but I bet you didn't take the time to break down each word. So real quick, I want you to write the word impotent down and the underlying thing. I'm gonna give you a quick definition, make it short and choppy. Impotent means 
unable to take effective action, unable to take effective action. For men, watch, I want to hear the men's difference. When I say impotent to you, man, what do you think? Come on, man, you say you want to be fathers. It's Father's Day. If I say, men, you are impotent, but you just raise your hand in faith, I'm going to be a father one day when I find the right woman. I'm going to be, but an impotent man, what? Can't produce. So here you are expecting to be a father one day, the right time, right situation, but you're impotent and don't even know it. Because it ain't time for yet you walk in it. All right, His halt, what does halt mean? I mean, I mean blind. Blind means you can't see. Can't see, right? Simply, I can't see. No vision. Halt. Halt, come to an a what? Abrupt stop. Halt means you come to an abrupt stop. Or right down paralyzed. If you're paralyzed, you can't go no more, right? Now here's the last one. Withered. What is withered? Shriveled up or what? And dry. You ever heard somebody just dry? They just dry? Dry, shriveled up, they get no. In the game of life, we're all going to what age? You know, what my biggest problem was an agent, Serge. You saw all these little white hairs on me. Look, dude, I was I was dying this thing. Everybody said you're so young looking, but then I'll, I kept costing me money. And then wifey says, "What is all these black spots on the sink?" I got tired of hearing that. And one day I came out. I went away to L.A. and came back. And she hugged me. She said, oh, baby, I love your beard. The great, I finally embraced my age, okay? So here we go. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool. He troubled the water. It's like a whirlpool. When you get in a whirlpool, circles, get your body moving, get the blood moving. For athletes, for you as well. Then it says what? For the trouble of the water, that for whosoever what? First what? First who did what? First person who stepped what? Steps into what? To the troubled water. Troubled water is a good thing, right? Because it's being stirred up, right? Cause the healing, circulation, get your blood moving, everything. So if you step in and you got a disease or a problem, you step in this water first, you're going to be what? Healed. How many of you here want to be healed? Okay, you want to be healed. But now we got to deal with this one more word, though. Verse 5 says, it said it was a certain man. Everybody say certain man. So we don't know who the man is yet, do we? He was a certain man. Could have been you. Could have been you, 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 you. We don't know who this man. We don't know his age. But we do know one thing about this one man. What do we know about this one man? He got some type of problem. Do you agree? Because it says at a certain season, we go down, there's a group of people. He's amongst the people. He was either impotent, blind, halt, or withered. Do any of y'all know which one he was? You ever thought about it? Well, if you haven't, think about it. Which one do you think he is? Do you think he was impotent, blind, withered, or halt? Blind? Anybody else got one for me? Halt? Okay. You hold your own thoughts right there. I just like people to think. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to go back to verse 5. It says, in a certain man. It says, A, you see the parentheses? Put father in there. Put father in those parentheses. You got it? So let's reread it. And a certain father was there that had an infirmity for what? 38 years. All right, let me break down some numbers to you. Three represents what? Anybody know? 
Jesus on the cross how many days? And he did what? He resurrected. So three is what? Resurrection. All right? Plus eight. Eight means what? New beginnings. So wait a minute. Remember what I just said. Three means what? Eight means what? Remember that number. We're going to come back to it. It's going to be quick. Here we go. Let's define infirmity. Write infirmity down. Let's define it. What does infirmity mean? A physical or mental weakness. Write it down. A physical or a mental weakness. You ready to start moving? All right, everybody got it written down? All right, here we go. When Jesus, in parentheses, or it probably says leader. When I say Jesus, right now I see Jesus as a leader. I'm not talking about the super spiritual being, the Trinity. I'm talking about Jesus, the man that was walking the earth, even though he was in the Trinity then, but I'm just saying he was recognized as a what in the community? What was he recognized in the community as? In the what? Community, he's recognized as a leader. Your pastor is recognized as a community, in, uh, as a leader in this community. And if you walk with him, you'll recognize with the Hope Center that the Hope Center is leadership in this community. That's what you're positioning yourself for, for leadership in this community. All right? Now, when the leader saw him lie and knew that he had been down this time for several, basically for a long time, he asked, What question did he ask? Do you want to get well? And I'm asking you the question, do you want to win in the game of life? Who wants to be a winner in the game of life? Great. You want to be healed and you want to be a winner, okay? Now here, here this is when it gets good. It says, sir, the impotent man, right in the parentheses, player, write player down. Because when you go home and read this, I want you to see yourself. You are the player in the game of life, man or female, all right? And this is what he said. I have no man, in the parentheses, it says coach or teammate. I don't have a coach, I don't have a teammate, I don't have a pastor, I don't have a friend that can put me into the pool when the water is troubled. I slowed it down for a reason, to connect something. Watch this. But in parentheses, I want you to write, get ready. What do you think the parentheses, why do you think I got that there? All right, I'm going to move fast because I'm going to get past church up here in a minute. While I'm coming, someone else goes down ahead of me. So go back in parentheses and write excuse. How many of you got excuses? No, no, wait a minute. I know nobody in Hope Son got no excuse. How many of you know somebody that's got an excuse? Got excuses? You, you, don't, you don't know anybody got excuses? You know anybody got excuses? Yeah. All right, so let me read it differently. The man, they sir, the impotent, there's a difference between impotent, because earlier they said the man was what? He had an infirmity. Now they're saying the man, talking about impotent. So this same, we're talking about the same man. That's how God began to reveal to me what was really going on, because I was paying attention to the details. Sir, he says, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water's trouble, but excuse. While I'm coming, someone else goes ahead of me. We got to break this down because I don't want to take too much time. Did you hear what he said? But when someone in a conversation usually say, I'm going to come help you tomorrow, but I'll be at the cookout, but I got something else to do. What does but mean? It's using an excuse, right? But it says that Jesus had been coming to town and knew that if you get in the water, you get healed. Did this man know if you get in the water, if you're the first to get in the water, you'll be healed? Did he know that? It said he'd been in this position for what? 38 years. If you've been doing this for 38 years, 
That's a what? Pattern. He had a pattern. He was going here. He knew he'd get healed if he get in, but something was holding him back. But because of the environment or the community he was living in, the people of hope, withered, poor, whatever it was, uneducated, whatever it is, they conditioned their mind to believe what they was thinking, right? Because where does thoughts come from? Thinking comes a thought, becomes an idea. He had the idea that something was wrong with him because when he looked around the room, he's blind, he's withered, he's hot, they uneducated. My mama was on welfare, you know, <laughs> my daddy ain't home. Father's Day, what am I talking about Father's Day? I don't know no father. You see what I'm saying, where we're going? Had an excuse. Now, turn on the back, everything's on this page, so you can go back to this. You will be able to life coach yourself if you really pay attention to this stuff. And you don't have to pay me, uh, call me and say, I want to be a part of your coaching program. All right? You can do it yourself. What did the leader tell him? He said, get up. But Jesus went from becoming a leader to a what? Coach. Write the word coach in parentheses. Sometimes we look at pastors and believe they're so anointed they can do these things. They had the ability to tell me, get up. When they don't, you don't even know, they down themselves at that time. But they have something inside of them, which is the Holy Spirit, that does what? Raise them up and encourages them. Some of them are blessed enough to have a strong wife to kick them in the butt and tell them to get up too. I know that's me. Obviously, that's going on with sir. Pastor Chairman. Um, <laughs> get up. Told him. Coach said, get up, rise, pick up your bed. Now, this is your homework. I need to be Utah. I didn't define this. You will. It says, Jesus broke, I put Jesus broke his pattern. What does that mean? When someone is consistently doing something, they need to be broken, right? When Serge came to me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a preacher. I know you're a preacher. You want, he is a great preacher, way better preacher than I am. And the people, that, the circuit that I was able to travel with, I couldn't even get on the platforms to preach with some people. But I can administrate. I was really good at that. I was good at all that stuff. But the preaching part, I was a teacher, but I wasn't, I, I couldn't do all that. But that does not negate who I am, does it? It doesn't. So I'm actually, the question is, did this use, listen to what it said. I want you to answer this for yourself when you get home. I'm going to move on. Jesus told him to get up. What does it mean to rise? Somebody tell me. What does it mean? You got to speak out loud. I got, because I want to hear you. Get up. What else? Go up. What else? Huh? Walk. To walk? Okay. Write this down. Change your position, change your posture, and change your perspective. That's the key. Perspective. Change your perspective. Please change. What do you do in your bed? I speak loud so I can hear it. What do you do in your bed? Sleep? Rest? Lay there? Some women already said your man snores because <laughs> they're too tired, right? Okay, rest. Now, what does it mean to walk? Make a move. There you go. So, fellas, the answer was pretty quick. But everybody looks at this scripture because the people are halt, blind, and withered. They think that Jesus came and did his miracle and made people walk. But understand, when Jesus came to the scene, he went after who? A what? Certain man. He went after a certain father. And when he was going after this father, he wanted that father to recognize, I understand your father wasn't there for you, but I am here for you. You need to change your posture, position, and perspective of who I'm after. Just because you had a child out of wedlock, some men do what? Run! Because they say they don't want the responsibility. 
That's when I start saying pride. No, passion, responsibility, integrity, determination, dedication, and excellence. Don't run from it. Embrace the opportunity in that pride, in that type of pride, and be a father. But I can't be a father because I'm not married. Because if I go to church, I'm too embarrassed to go to church because I've had a child out of wedlock. Does that make sense? So they run from that. They run from that. And to bring the example, I just became a second grandfather, right? Are both my kids married, you think? Can you imagine being a coach, a pastor? My wife is also ordained in ministry. We have two grandsons, and neither one of them are in wedlock. Can you imagine what that does to us if we had the perspective of the church mindset? We should be somewhere hiding in shame, right? But I'm honored to know, now, he needs to take responsibility, do what he needs to do to help train and raise the kid, right? But not ashamed by it, I'm embracing it because I know God has a purpose for the child. You agree with that? How many of you know some people that got children right now and they're ashamed or running from it because it's not, it wasn't done the right way? Guys, don't worry about it. Keep pursuing God. Watch this. I want Pastor Serge read something for me. And you got to pay attention to this because we end, you end right here. Now, if it goes longer than this, that's his fault. I'm going to get him to read John verse, John 5. Verse 8 through 14. So let me, why he said, it. you can come, come here. I want you to come here with me. I was trying to figure out a way to tag team with my man here. Now watch this. I've set up the scene. We deal with a certain man. Right? How old was he? What does three mean? Resurrection. What does eight mean? Jesus said, get up. What do you think he was trying to tell him? At 38 years old, it's time for you to what? Get up. I am about to resurrect a new beginning in your life as a father. Changing your perspective, perspective, posture, but you must forget what everybody else is saying about you. Watch this setup. Soon as Jesus comes and heals this man, he picked up his bed, did he not? Did he pick it up? Yes, it says he picked up his bed and walked. But this whole time, everybody thinking that's a miracle, right? Because these people were blind, halt, wizard, or crippled, something wrong with them. But this man picks up his bed and walks away. I want you to hear his voice because this is the voice of the house that you're used to listening to. So something in you, your physiology is getting ready to change right now. Your physiology state is going to change because he's going to bring familiarity and his voice to you. Because I'm just a coach with the hat on. But something is getting ready to change. Watch. Didn't, when you, where's the young lady that was singing? What was that song? The spirit is going to change. There's something... The shifting in the spirit, this is what's getting ready to happen. There's a shift getting ready to happen. You're going to hear something different. Because you've been hearing my voice, familiar, familiar voice. Watch. Read it. Then Th Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Go on. Mm -hmm. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath, and so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your bed and walk. Did y'all hear that? The Jewish law and the religious law was what? On the Sabbath day, you're not to work. You're supposed to be resting. You're supposed to do anything. The man recognized that he was healed, but who immediately attacked him? 
Who immediately attacked him? Somebody from religious sector, someone in the community who might do church differently than you, someone in the community who is not in this community who wants to help the community close, who say, what kind of church y'all got going on? How many people out here in this world, they know they've been healed, they see a difference, it feels good, but all it takes is somebody to come beside you and say, look, come on, look, on the Sabbath, look, look, you can't do that, you're not healed. But this is where the problem, and I'm telling you, so the revelation God gave me, I'm working, I gotta work on my book with this, listen to this. He says it, again, read, I want you to read it one time again, listen to what he says. Let's read the whole thing again, listen to what the he says. The whole thing, he We're says, done. Jesus said, pick up your bed and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, or his bed and walked, and the day on which it took place was a Sabbath, so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your bed. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your bed or your mat and walk. I don't care who this pastor service is coming and telling you that you can pick up your bed, you can pick, you can get off welfare, you can supply things for yourself, you can go into school, you can go and speak up for your children. Women, who, who told you you can now advocate for your children? Who told you you can advocate for your community? Who told you to go confront government and law and saying we expect more over here? Who told you that? This is why I need you guys to be strong. Because that's what happens when you're tapping in that type of ministry that the whole center is going to be for this community. You're going to be attacked. And the first person they're going to attack is your leader. And you're either going to man up and walk with him or walk away and leave him out here to be a martyr. That won't happen because we know how to send prayer from Ohio to make sure that don't happen. Okay? But as you're changing what's happening here, you're going to go through some periods of time that you wonder, is this what we're supposed to be doing, God? And the sure sign that you're doing the right thing is what? Immediately, you're going to be attacked for what you're doing. But watch this. Read a little bit further. This is what tripped me out. So they asked him, who is the fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? Who is the fellow? They told you, you don't have to live like this. <laughs> Go ahead. He says, the man who has healed had no idea, uh, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus has slipped away into the crowd that was there. Check out your boy Jesus as a leader. <laughs> Look, Jesus, Jesus is interested. Jesus wasn't no gang member. Because Jesus told the man, look, get up there, look, I'm out, dog. I'm out. <laughs> oh, you healed now. But look, what, what, what do you think the people were looking for? They were looking for someone to attack, to stop the movement. Because if this man gets loose in the community and tell people, you're healed, pick up your bed, they go do it. What are the other people who are around them who are blind, hard, where are they going to start believing? They're going to believe that they can walk too. And once they walk, what happens? When they walk out of governmental services and start getting jobs, building businesses in the community, they are empowered to have ownership in that community. Now those who are over top of them or in control are losing their jobs. That's why the attack comes to those who are movers and shakers. Because people do not have the interest in you they're interested in getting their paycheck, I don't know the place too much, but going and live on that side of town, come in and serve the people here enough to keep them positioned where they're at so they're not empowered to do the things they need to do because they got their families to take care of. Hope Center is what it is. Hope for the people. Keep going. 
It says, later Jesus found them at the temple and said to him, see you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Guys, please hear this. This, is, uh, this one scared me. This is my life where I'm at. I go from a two-time state champion coach, living at a private school. They give, I had a, we had a five-bedroom home that the school give you. Great salary, benefits. My kids and go to school. Cost forty thousand dollars to go to school. Me and my wife looked in the mirror. She knew God told us to leave. I finally took the risk. Said we got to go. Didn't know what we was gonna do. Feel like we've been in straight poverty. Feeling the last five years has been a struggle, but God has been teaching me something. I had to go back and look at the word sin, sir, because I know traditionally, how do we teach sin? It's just a bad thing, right? That we sin, we think we sin against God. Listen to what it, it, sin is. I went, it is an immoral act considered to be a transgression against who? God? How many things is a transgression against God? Oh. Sin. It's an immoral act considered to be a transgression against the law. When I first met Serge, that's what I saw. He was walking in law, always. He knew the rules of the church. Pastor Prince, that's what they call me, Pastor Prince. You know, man, Pastor, you know, because Pastor Prince slipped up. He ain't tell you the truth, because he ain't going to tell you the whole truth. No, he told you the truth. He ain't tell you the whole truth. There were some times Pastor Prince went in coach mode and used to tell him some bad words. <laughs> That's how I was getting his attention. I was breaking his religious pattern of thinking. Not that you want him to go ahead and curse nobody out. God knows. When I coach, I don't curse when I'm coaching because I don't want to curse nobody else's kids. But for Serge, at that particular time, I said, the only way to capture Serge's attention, I got to go outside of my character because I love him so much to capture his attention to help him walk into his calling. So there were some hard conversations we had, and he probably walked with, oh my God. I mean, I trust me guys, I said some pretty bad things. But listen to this again, this is, this is listen to the definition. Sin, and the more act considered to be a transgression against divine law. Divine law, and we know divine law, we're talking about God, we're talking about the whole revelation of God. But understand, this man that was attacking Serge was who? He was from the what community? Religious community. The religious community at this time was what? The Jewish community. And, they had, and that Jewish law said what? On a Sabbath day, you do what? You rest. You don't do anything. So when Jesus came here and found that man, he had just healed. Read that one more time. Please hear this. You're the person that's been healed. You know you're healed. This religious person comes and says, you ain't healed because you can't do that on that day. So it's fake. Man, you telling me I've been walking out a limp all this time, now I'm pimping, and you tell me that ain't me pimping. Y'all see that? I've been walking like this, oh, hurting. A man says, pick up your bed and walk. I don't only pick my bed up, I picked it up, it was pimping. I went from, to, oh, I start crip walking, whatever it is, whatever they do these days, walk it out. You're telling me, I'm going to tell you what the man's problem was. Anybody see what the man's problem was? Y'all ain't got it yet? He was dealing with impotent people, blind people, halt, and withered people. And what did I tell you? Infirmity, it means what? A physical or mental weakness. The man had a weak mind. He was not physically hurt. Jesus went after him quicker. Why? 
Because he knew if he speaks to his mind, he could heal him and deliver him much quicker to go back and build a ministry to help the rest of them. When I met Serge, I saw his gifting. This guy used to facilitate, I mean, he'd be in the event. Hey, oh! I mean, people moving, shaking, loving him. I said, this guy got something special. I don't have that. That's why I brought him with me. Sir, you know how to rap. Y'all know, sir, you know, Pastor Serge, not rap? They ain't seen me do my oh, thing yet. It's coming, though. Look, so I knew I had ammunition. When I went to the street in the hood where the gangbangers was, I was laughing, hoping one of the boys would go off and maybe rap or say something, and that he was going to flip and spit back at him. Not spit on him. But I don't know, Jesus spit on him and healed people, though, didn't he? All right, but anyway, maybe that's what they were saying. Maybe Jesus was rapping back then. <laughs> yeah. He had the gift. He had the gift. He knew how to talk to people. Relationship. That's what it's all about. Building relationships with people. The people that live in these communities, when they hear people talk to them, they don't hear them talk. They hear them talk down to them. You guys are uplifting them and giving them hope. Continue to stay in that position and posture. But please hear what I'm saying. This scares me. Once I teach this, I get scared because listen what it said. Jesus did what? Read what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said. We all believe in Jesus, right? Yeah. As a leader, this is what he told a man who was healed. Watch this. Listen, say, you gotta, please hear it, hear it, go. He said, uh, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Something worse is going to happen to you. You are healed and you know you're healed because you're now pimping. You are healed. And if you don't walk in it, something worse is going to happen on you. You just might be crippled. You might go blind. You might lose the opportunity that I've already given you and give it to somebody else. Hope Center, I'm asking you a question today. And I'm asking more in respect of the fathers that are in Hope Center, the men in Hope Center. Will you stand with your leader and walk tall and pick up your excuses that's been laying in the bed? and walk and be walking with him in his community when the shots are fired. Now, I ain't talking about real shot. You some real shot, you better call the popo, brother. Call, I don't know if I taught you that one. They, they get to shoot, you get call popo and get out of there. <laughs> get to running. I never told you about that story. I had to run from a guy and guy one time. I had to run from a guy, seriously. He, he told me, he said, if you stay right here, I was smart enough, Holy Spirit said, you better get out of here. <laughs> I ain't say. So I'm challenging you, where the men at? I need men to stand up. Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at myhopecenter. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.